Life Audio. Welcome to the Real Refreshment Podcast. Join us as we dive into motherhood at the foot of the throne with your host, Rachel Carmen. If you are tired, overwhelmed, and feeling alone, this is the place for you. A place for real moms with real stories seeking real refreshment found only in the living God. Take a minute to visit rachelcarmen.com and join the community of Real Refreshment listeners who are taking the dare to be in the Word as a top priority in the journey of motherhood. All right, let's kick off this latest episode of the Real Refreshment Podcast. Here's your host, Rachel Carmen. Hello, moms. Again, Rachel Carmen here. I really wish you could see my setup for tonight. I am literally standing on my mantle place. No kidding. I'm going to have to post some post-event pictures later because in order to find a space where I can have like some kind of a background and I can have good lighting and do something a little fresh from what I normally do, I had to do something brand new. So I'm standing on my, um, my mantle place, right? And I have a ladder in front of me and my, <laughs> my computer is on top of the ladder and my notes are spread out here. So it's a little crazy, but I'll post a picture later. I'm sure you understand because you're moms and you know what it's like to have to finagle things to make them work, right? Right. I want to tell you, I'm so glad you're here tonight. I won't lie. I wish that we were face-to-face in a big conference room. I'll just be honest with you. I would much rather see all of your beautiful smiling faces. I would much rather be able to give you a hug. I would love to be able to hear your stories um, one-on-one tonight. That's one of my favorite things about speaking live is actually hearing people's stories. And I was really honored tonight that um, Heather posted the question, if you would come on and introduce yourself. And I was able to take some notes. I um, really got caught up in learning about all the moms that would be here tonight. And thank you so much for posting those. I'm going to have to go back and read the rest of them because my heart is really with you. And the one-on-one fellowship, haven't we all missed that this year? I know I have. And so I just took notes hurriedly. We've got people from all around the world joining us tonight. The Philippines, Honduras, South Africa. I spent two years of my childhood in South Africa, British Columbia, Canada, Um, Missouri, Kentucky, North Carolina, South Dakota, um, Missouri, uh, Minnesota, Tennessee, Oklahoma, South Carolina, Alabama, Maryland, all over. You're all here. And we've got mamas that have littles. Um, I always consider that um, six and under, right? And we have moms that are in their last, they're in what I refer to as the home stretch of homeschooling, they're going to graduate their last one this year. We have marriages that are six years old and 28 years old. So we have quite a group of moms here tonight. And again, welcome. Is it hard to spark meaningful conversations with your kids? Whether you're a homeschool hero, planning activities for the next family vacation, or simply gathering around the dinner table, we've got something that can help. Introducing the Daily Family Conversation Starter by best-selling author Katie Clemens. This remarkable book offers 365 imaginative ways to connect with your children in just five minutes each day with prompts like, who made you laugh today? Or what would you do if you had a tail? 
These simple questions open up a world of laughter, curiosity, and deeper connections. From dinner time to sleepy time, the Daily Family Conversation Starter is your key to creating memories that will last a lifetime. Don't wait to transform your family's daily routine into an adventure of discovery and fun. Grab your copy of The Daily Family Conversation Starter today, wherever books are sold. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in... Anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. Thank you for coming, seeking real refreshment, because we all need it, don't we? We all get tired. We all get lonely. We all get frustrated. And God and his Holy Spirit has brought us all here tonight to seek him. So I've got my notes spread out here. The Lord has been very good and gracious and given me so many things I want to share with you tonight. And I want to start with one of my most favorite passages of scripture. And if you spend much time with me at all, you know, it's really all my favorite part of scripture. I love God's word. And so I want to go to one of my favorite passages. Um, I do believe that my favorite gospel is the book of John. I love how John is so unique among the gospels and his is really a reflective gospel. You'll remember at the foot of the cross, Jesus gave charge of his mother to the beloved disciple, John. And I think we see that reflective nature of John in his gospel, 92% of which is unique from the other three. And so I love the story in the fourth chapter of John about the Samaritan woman. Here is a woman who has an amazing encounter with the Lord Christ. And we learn early on in the story that scripture tells us that Jesus had to go through Samaria. He had to go. I find it interesting that it says he had to go. And I want to encourage you as you read the word of God, don't skip over the words. Don't read so fast that you miss the little things because it's the little things I want to suggest to you that really matter when it comes to reading God's word. And you will miss so much. If you read it too fast, scripture says that Jesus had to go to Samaria. I think that's beautiful. But what's even better than that is Jesus knew why he had to go. You know, sometimes I feel like I've got to do something and I've just got to do it because it's the next thing to do, right? It's not even got a lot of purpose. It's just the next thing on my to-do list. But Jesus had a meeting in Samaria at a well with a woman. He had to go through Samaria. He had a purpose for going. And the woman 
that he's going to meet at this well in Samaria. Well, she also had to go. She had to go to the well, but she didn't know she had to go to be, to meet a person. She thought she was just going to get water for the day. And there's another thing about this woman that I find extraordinary. She's unnamed. Right, we know Jesus as the Son of God, the perfect Lamb of God, Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus, the Christ, had to go and meet who? An unnamed woman of Samaria. I really happen to believe that these unnamed characters, and we meet them throughout Scripture, are actually opportunities for us to insert our names. So as we look at the rest of this story, I want you to consider yourself in her position. This woman has to go to the well, but it's not one of her favorite places to be. Anybody else? Anybody out there find yourself having to do things? Having to go places you don't want to go because it's too painful. You know you're not welcome. You're exhausted. You've been criticized, misunderstood, misrepresented. You don't want to go, but you have to go. This is that woman. She has to go. The well does not represent anything warm to her like it probably did the other women of the town. This trip to the well was something she probably dreaded. And we know that she didn't go when everybody else went. Do you, like her, have things or places you have to go, but you don't want to go when anybody else is there? It's too much pain. It's too much hurt. It's too much, it's too much work. That's when she went. So let me get this picture for you. We've got Jesus who had to come, and it says he sent his disciples into town for food. We might or might not be able to pick that up later, but I would encourage you to chase it. So Jesus has intentionally set it up where he is alone at this well. It says he sat down. And what did he do? He waited. He waited for her to come. And he already knew how she was going to come. She was going to come just to get her water and go. Just to get her water and go. And yet, in my imagination, Jesus situated himself in such a way that she would not be able to see him until it was too late. She was already committed. And so she comes up, she's just going to get her water and she's going to head up. And there's the Christ. There's the Christ. She thinks she's just come for water for the day, just to get through the day. And she meets the living water. They have a brief, interaction before they really get to the core of what Jesus has to offer her, the reason that he has come. He's come to meet her deeper need, not just for water for the day, but for living water that springs up within her to eternal life. That's what he's come to give her. And when he offers that to her, he says to her, if you knew what I offered you, that you would never have to come here again. I love her response. She says to him, give me some of that water. I want that water. I want the water that means I don't have to come back here ever again. Tell me, 
Is there anyone out there, mom, is there any mom that wants water that will satiate and satisfy so that you don't have to keep trying to do the same things over and over and over? Yeah, me too. Me too. See, what I want to say with this story is this feeling that you have, this thirst that you have, I want to tell you, it's not your imagination. Your soul is longing for real refreshment. That's not your imagination. And I want to tell you, secondly, it's a good thing. It's a good thing that you're longing for something to satisfy your deepest needs. I'm betting you didn't come here tonight for a quick fix. You didn't come here tonight for something that's just going to get you through today or tomorrow. You're coming looking for something that's going to have a long-term effect. And I was happy to read when the question was posed off or earlier on the website, What? where do you get your real refreshment? I was so happy to see mom after mom telling all of these really good ways that they're getting real refreshment because you know what you know you know it's not in the wild see here's what i have found over and over and over and i'll just speak for myself i want to be faithful i want to live a life boldly and courageously sold out i want to be worthy of that to which I have been called. I want to dare to do hard things. I want to be guilty of being gracious and kind and loving and generous. And I'm betting you do too. But you know what I tragically have found myself doing over and over and over? I step out on this faith journey, wanting to do something amazing for God. And I get tired. And I get worn out. And do you know what I am often tempted and actually participate in? I run to the well of the world. I go to the world when I get tired, when I get worn out, when I get overwhelmed, when I get frustrated. I go to the world because the world's got an array of options that are supposed to satisfy and quench my longing and my thirst. And so I run to the world. I run to things like shopping. I run to things like getting with girlfriends or going to another movie or buying another thing. There are other options, right? Pharmaceuticals. All kinds of distractions that the world offers. All kinds of temptations. Different things to read. Different things to listen to. Different things to participate in, right? that are all of the world, you know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking about. The world wants us, the enemy wants us to chase after the wind. What Solomon writes about in the book of Ecclesiastes, it's a chasing after the wind. We've got a longing, a deep longing for the things of God that only he can meet. And the devil whispers, try this, do this. Drink this, read this, listen to this. Is it hard to spark meaningful conversations with your kids? Whether you're a homeschool hero, planning activities for the next family vacation, or simply gathering around the dinner table, we've got something that can help. 
Introducing the Daily Family Conversation Starter by best-selling author Katie Clemens. This remarkable book offers 365 imaginative ways to connect with your children in just five minutes each day with prompts like, who made you laugh today? Or what would you do if you had a tail? These simple questions open up a world of laughter, curiosity, and deeper connections. From dinner time to sleepy time, the Daily Family Conversation Starter is your key to creating memories that will last a lifetime. Don't wait to transform your family's daily routine into an adventure of discovery and fun. Grab your copy of the Daily Family Conversation Starter today, wherever books are sold. And it is so tempting in our weakest, most exhausted, most frustrated moment to just lean into what the world offers. And I want to tonight to double dog dare you to stop it, to not lean in to what the world offers, but to literally drink deeply from the living water. If we go over into the Old Testament, Jeremiah 2, chapter 2, verses 13, prophet Jeremiah writes this, and it's prophetic, right? He was one of the major prophets in the Old Testament. And he says this, the Lord God says, my people have committed two sins. They have abandoned me, the living water, the source of living water. And what have they done? They've dug for themselves cisterns, broken cisterns that cannot hold water. Do you see it? Do you see it? Even as far back in the Old Testament, if you know the Old Testament, you know that the reason judgment fell on God's people, his people to whom he had given the promised land, the reason judgment fell was for these two reasons. They had abandoned him. God had met their every need. He had been faithful over and over and over and over, and they abandoned him because he wasn't cool and he wasn't hip. And he wasn't neat like everybody else around. They wanted to worship the other gods because why? Everybody else did. And God's like, but I'm the source of living water. You can't dig a well. You can't do this yourself. Mom, I want you to know. If you are in a situation today where you are profoundly aware that you can't, you are right where God welcomes you to stay. It strikes me that the very place we try so hard to avoid ever being is the place that God invites us to stay. And that's in a place of desperate needing him. Because that's where he dwells. Look, all those things you can do on your own, he's not gonna fight you for that. But when you come to the end of yourself and the realization that you can't, that's where God welcomes you and meets you. The woman at the well got to the place where she couldn't. She couldn't. She couldn't do it anymore on her own. She couldn't. And that's where Jesus was. I love that he met her exactly where she was. Mom, where are you today? What have you leaned into? What offerings of the world have you embraced? What well, 
What cistern that the world has offered you and offered me have we leaned into and drank from and substitute for the living water that God offers. Now that we've defined what real refreshment is, I want to talk to you about how to get it, how to keep it, how to share it, and why we should celebrate it. So first of all, now that we know what real refreshment is, it only comes from the living water that Christ himself offers. It's a deep well that never runs dry. So how do you get it? Well, the first thing I believe we must do to get it is to repent that we tried to do it ourselves. We need to repent of the cisterns, the broken cisterns that we've dug. We need to repent and ask forgiveness of the things that we've chased after in vain, the wind that we have chased after in pursuit of filling a need that only God himself can fill. If you haven't reviewed it in a while, I would invite you to go back and study chapter 51 of the book of Psalms. This is the great prayer psalm of repentance that King David, the great king of Israel, prayed after he was confronted as to his greatest sin. You want to talk about a man who really messed up? You want to talk about someone who really, really messed up? And you know, David was the greatest king of Israel. He was at the pinnacle of his kingdom. But what did he do? Here's what he did. Not what he was supposed to be doing. Let that sit on you just a minute. You know, what I have found over and over is God meets me in the mundane. And that's got to be good news for a lot of us, right? Because we feel like that's the only place we ever are. The woman at the well was going to the well. It was a mundane thing. God has met me rotating laundry, making dinner, changing a diaper. God meets us right where we are. Or when we are where we're supposed to be, David was not where he was supposed to be. And the Bible says that he was out on the roof, hanging out, not doing what he was supposed to do. Notice, please, that he was distracted, right? And he saw a woman. Bathsheba had it brought to him. He lay with Bathsheba. She became pregnant. He tried to cover the whole thing up, called her husband home, who, by the way, Uriah, Bathsheba's husband, was actually out doing what David was supposed to be doing. It was the season for war, and David had chosen to stay home and not go and do what he was supposed to do. Uriah had gone to do what he was supposed to do, and yet ultimately he paid with his life for the king's sin. David really messed up. Up And it is not hard for me to imagine how quickly we can get in a heap of trouble, just like David did. David was in a world of hurt. And then Nathan the prophet confronted David. And he said to, to David, he told him a story about a little lamb. And David said, 
whoever that is, he should die. And Nathan said, thou art the man. And immediately David was convicted of his sin. And we get Psalm 51 as a result of David's conviction of his sin. I want to ask you, do you sense any conviction for the sin of substituting anything for the Lord God? We ought to. We ought to. That emptiness that you and I feel when we chase after the things of the world, when we try to substitute something, anything, but God. Have you done that? I've done that. I don't think David did not know that he had done a bad thing. I don't think he was that dumb. I think he was trying to cover it up, just like you and I tried. So this real refreshment that we long for, that we've defined, the the first step in getting it is repenting. Asking the Lord's forgiveness for substituting anything else but him. Next, how do you keep it? How do you keep real refreshment? And I'm going to tell you right now, the best way I know, the only way I know to keep real refreshment is to stay focused to stay focused. If you've watched me very long at all, you know that I love the Apostle Peter. And I think I love Peter so much because Peter is so raw. I would argue he's one of the rawest characters in the whole New Testament narrative. Peter is out there. He's rash. He's raw. He's impetuous. He says exactly what's on his mind, even when he shouldn't, right? I'm sure that on more than one occasion, Peter would have really been helped by an edit button, but he didn't seem to have one. And even after repetitively saying things that I wish, I think he might have wished he could take back, he keeps on saying things that he really should not have said. But one occasion that really endears Peter to me is the occasion on which Jesus is walking on the water. Do you remember this? So they've been out fishing. The apostles have been out fishing and Jesus comes walking on the water. And at first they think it's a ghost, right? Not an unreasonable thing. I've got to think too, they were probably tired. They fought the waves and the water all night long. And here comes this thing. This looks like a person, can't be a person. Maybe they were a little delirious for the long night's work. It's a ghost. And then Jesus goes, don't be afraid. It's, it's just me. And Peter's like, huh, he's walking on the water. So, um, Peter says, can I, I want to do that. If you'll call to me, I'll come and I'll walk. Can I walk on the water too? And Jesus, I think Jesus was the most amused by Peter because Peter's humanity was just out there, right? He had this childlike curiosity and trust, and yet he was emboldened and arrogant at times. And this was one of those times when Peter was kind of childlike and he was fascinated by the fact that the Lord Christ was walking on the water. Evidently, obviously, right? This was proving that Christ was Lord of creation, right? And so he's walking on the water and Peter goes, call to me and I'll come to you. And I, I envision Peter. I don't think Peter, you know, like gingerly came across the boat, right? And kind of carefully put both legs over the side of the boat and, you know, just, I don't think that, I think Peter jumped over the side of the boat. I think Peter was all in, right? Play hard or go home. That was Peter, right? 
So he gets out there and he is walking on the water. I mean, again, let that sit on you. Peter was walking on the water. I mean, Jesus was walking on the water, son of God. Okay, still amazing. Peter walked on the water, right? So he's walking on the water. And what is he looking at as he's walking on the water? The face of Christ. He's focused on Christ and he's walking on the water. Do you have any idea what you and I can do if we would but focus on Christ? Focus on Christ. We can do amazing things. I have had moments in my home when it's just mass chaos. Look, we had seven kids um, and we had, what was it? Seven under 12, I think it was. So now this year, my oldest turns 30. And my youngest is 16. So, you know, I've only got two at home anymore. But back in the day when everybody was here, it was just barely controlled chaos, right? And so I can just remember days when I just thought I was going to come out of my skin. And I just thought I was just going to, you know, come out over one particular child, right? We won't name who. And so I, you know, I would have that. But on some days when I was able to capture some time with Jesus before the kids got up, can I hear an amen? And I am actually focused on Jesus. I can remember moments that I could interact with my kids and have a patience and a calmness that was not me. That was not me. It was only explainable because my eyes were focused on Jesus. As we're focused on Jesus. Mom, if you want real refreshment, we've got to make sure that like Peter, our eyes are focused on Jesus. I really believe that the enemy is working overtime, not just to try to get us to sin. Obviously. But I really believe in this day and age, he's content to distract us. If he can just distract us. He's content because he knows distraction is huge. It's huge. If we take our eyes off Jesus Christ, we are in huge danger. And not just of losing our footing or our patience. We are in danger of getting off the path, of stepping out of the light, of abandoning the narrow way. We must, moms, we must focus. I want to dare you, focus up. Focus up. There are so many things that are vying for our attention. So many screens, so many devices, so many voices, so much junk. And then there's Jesus. And then there's Jesus. We need to make sure we are focused if we want to keep this real refreshment that we can find alone in Jesus Christ. Next, how do you share it? One of the striking things to me about the story, and obviously there's lots of them to this woman at the well. One of the things that strikes me about it is once she gets who he is, he makes this extension of living water. She intuitively knows this is not something to be kept to oneself. 
This is not something to be hoarded. This is not something to keep silent about. This is something to share. And don't miss it. At the end of the story, this woman has already been changed. The woman at the beginning of the story, who is probably shuffling her feet on a way to a place, a well, where the other women of town probably whispered and, whispered and maligned and slandered her, pointed at her. This is a woman who had five husbands. Remember, and the guy she's with now, she's not even married to. She was that woman. She was not popular. And going to the well, which for most women was a social event, where they would go with their friends and talk before the beginning of the day at dawn as the sun was just rising, it was not that for this woman. And so she went when no one else would be there in the heat of the day. I don't know what she did for water first thing. Maybe she didn't have anything until noon, but she wasn't there in the morning. It was too painful. But get this. After Jesus makes the extension of living water to her, she runs back to town to do what? To tell everyone. Do you see the change? Do you see the change? She's already been changed. I love that song. It's a, a reworking of Amazing Grace. My shame is gone. My shame is gone. She was free to go back and give to the very ones who had criticized, misused, misrepresented, and used her. The living water that she had found. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. We must serve if we want to keep real refreshment. It's one thing if we find it, but if you really find it, you got to give it because you got so much you can't, you can't hold it all. Moms, we have a unique opportunity to serve our husbands and our children. One of you wrote in your introduction today, I made note of it wherever I put my notes a minute ago. I think I dropped them on the floor. Anyway, one of you made a note of your two jobs, your two favorite jobs are serving your husband and your children. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We are uniquely position to serve our man and to serve our children. We have a beautiful example in the book of John, again, of Jesus washing the disciples' feet. He, I don't know. I, Jesus washed the disciples' feet. Think about that for a minute. My two youngest children that are home right now are two teenage sons. 16 and 18. One of the sweetest things that I remember about little baby toes is how sweet they smell and just kissing them. And now I have two grandkids and another one on the way. And my favorite thing to do with those little baby grandkids is to kiss those toes. But you could not pay me money to kiss the toes of my two teenage boys. I mean, really? Ugh. Gritty and stinky and smelly, my goodness, no, thank you. Washing the feet was given to the lowest servant, the lowest servant. And yet, Christ, he didn't ask for volunteers. He, he just did it. 
he took off his outer robe, sort of symbolizing laying aside his deity, right? He poured water into a basin, symbolizing how he was about to pour out his life for us. Are you with me? And he got down on his knees and he began to bathe their feet, symbolizing the washing and the blood of the lamb, washing their feet. And I'm betting, I'm betting it wasn't any wimpy feet washing job. I'm betting Jesus Christ is really good at getting between the toes and washing the feet. We don't know how 10 of the 12 disciples responded. We know how two of them responded. We know how Peter responded. You remember this? Peter, Jesus gets to Peter. Okay, this is my this is my ongoing love affair with Peter. Jesus gets to Peter. Do you remember what Peter said? You are not washing my feet. Do you hear the arrogance, the pompous? You know, Peter's watched, watched everybody else allow Jesus to wash their feet. And so Peter decides, well, I'm not going to let Jesus wash my feet. No, you're not going to wash my feet. I mean, do you hear it? And once again, I think Jesus is amused with Peter. And he just goes, okay, dude, if I don't wash your feet, you don't have any part of me. And so then Peter amends his statement. And then he says something completely outlandish, right? Then wash my whole body. And you just have to laugh. I mean, you're like, Peter, stay with me. Not necessary. Just going to wash your feet, right? So Jesus washed Peter's feet. So who's the other disciple? We don't know how he responded, but I would, I would suggest that it was, it was particularly awkward when Jesus came to the feet of Judas to wash Judas' feet. In the timeline, it's clear that Judas left to betray Christ with clean feet. Yeah. That's what it looks like to serve. You don't serve the ones that are easy. You don't serve the ones that just comply. You don't serve the ones that don't betray you. You serve those ones. You serve the ones that are difficult. The ones that will betray you. Jesus knew who Judas was. I happen to think that Judas's feet washing had a fair amount of Christ's tears intermingled with the water in the basin. That's what it looks like to serve. And mom, you and I have an opportunity out of the abundance of the refreshment that God grants us through time in our knees, in his word, and through worship to serve others. That's what it looks like to be really refreshed. I'm not talking about a circumstance wherein you're no longer tired. I can't give that to you. You've got little kids. You've got older kids. Any of you who have teenagers know They are their own kind of exhausting, right? Right. It's a whole different thing. I'm not here to tell you that I can give you the remedy to being tired as a mom. No, I can encourage you to give it a big hug and trust that God's going to do something amazing through it, through it, through your exhaustion, that you can dare to serve and lean in to him. That's what I can offer you. So you're going to share it. You're going to share it. And then finally, you're going to celebrate it. 
I want to encourage you to take some time to meditate on the passage in Hebrews 12. You will remember that the book of Hebrews is chapter 11 is what we refer to as the hall of faith. And if you have not read it lately, I would really encourage you to spend some time over in chapter 11 of Hebrews. Go back through and just read, just read through those that this inspired writer wrote the list that he wrote of the faithful. What you're going to find, mom, is a lot of imperfect people who kept on keeping on, who chose to focus up and focus forward, who chose to do the next right thing, who chose over and over again to serve, and who chose to worship when they didn't know. When they didn't know. Look, you and I are all excited about worship and when we know when it makes sense. When prayers have been answered the way that we wanted them to be, right? Then we praise him. We're all excited, right? But what if we dare to celebrate who he is when we don't know, when it doesn't make sense, just because it's who he is? Let me read for you Hebrews 12, 1 through 3. And then again, I'm going to ask you to take time to spend on this. Therefore, the writer writes, since we have such a great cloud of witnesses, the faithful listed in chapter 11, let us lay aside every encumbrance in the sin that so easily entangles us and let us run with endurance the race set out before us. Mom, go forward. Run with endurance, with perseverance, knowing that you're never running alone. That's what the author is saying. Let us, get it, listen to this. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising its shame. Do you ever feel shameful of things that the mundane things that you do? Another diaper, another toilet to clean, another load of laundry, another meal. Does it just feel like it's just nothing? It's not a bunch of nothing, mom. It's a big bunch of something. It's a big bunch of something. And Jesus is right there in it. Enduring its shame, despising its shame, sorry, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. uh, Verse three, listen. Consider him who endured such things so that, here's why. Why do we need to think about Jesus? Why do we need to praise God? Why do we need to focus up? Why do we need to serve? Why here? So that you will not grow weary and lose heart. So that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Real refreshment is found in Jesus. Time with him. I want to read this to you because I had this earlier today. Real refreshment is found in Jesus. In silence, just listening. In praise, just worshiping. In prayer, just asking. In study, just seeking. In fellowship, just being. 
Wow. Real refreshment is available to you in the person of Jesus Christ. Come thirsty. Drink deeply. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed the show. If you have a question or comment, we invite you to send it to info at rachelcarmen.com. And while you're at Rachel's website, check out her wonderful resources, including the Word in Motion Bible Curriculum. We want to take a second to thank the team at Life Audio for their partnership with us on the podcast. They've got shows about prayer, Bible study, parenting, and more. If you go to lifeaudio.com, you'll find dozens of other faith-centered podcasts in their network. Moms, more than ever, we really do need each other. We need to be challenged, and we need accountability in the Word. Thanks for joining us, and we'll catch you in the next episode of The Real Refreshment Podcast. If you're hearing this right now, you're probably like, who the heck is this and why are they playing during my favorite podcast? And I get it. I don't want to take up too much of your time, but I do want to introduce myself. My name is Trevor Tyson, and I'm the host of Trevor Talks, where we talk to real people about real topics and real stories. I just want to invite you, if you love podcasts, if you love music, if you love books and love hearing from the people who create it, come check us out at Trevor Talks. Simply go to Google or Life Audio, type in Trevor Talks, and it'll pop on up. Hope you have a great day.